Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard Going, going, gone. It's Eric Roberts is the fucking man Redux. Once again, the world's only Eric Roberts related podcast. I'm Doug Tilly, and joining me as usual is the Sultan of SWAT, Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing today, Liam? Uh, you know, I'm sultaning over swatting things. Oh boy, Liam. Liam, uh, the Sultan of SWAT, I believe, was the great Babe Ruth. Uh, in fact, Babe Ruth referenced heavily in the movie that we're going to be talking about on this episode, 90 Feet from Home. So, yeah. uh, you know, I think. Today, it's going to be uh, revealing about our knowledge about sports, and particularly baseball. So that'll be very interesting, I think. But Liam, outside of sports, which again, the year 2020 has been very interesting, very unique in regards to sports, how are things going in your life? Well, you know, Doug. um, (laughs) A nightmare. (laughs) uh, Yeah, basically, I live in an area that uh, has insane COVID numbers going through the roof, and... uh, they're still like, I don't know, we could like have restaurants open though, right, guys? Like that's cool. And I'm like sincerely thinking, like, okay, um, when should I just stop leaving the house and just like hole up in, in my home? Because it's getting crazy out here, Doug. It's getting real crazy. How, Liam, is your daughter responding to the fact that things are so unusual in the year twenty twenty? Um, well, the thing about a three year old, Doug, is that they know that things aren't quite uh, comfortable because they can read it on us, sure. but they don't have enough memory banks to understand like what is going on. Um, the the really only the hard part was this year was Halloween because she had enough of a memorable experience last Halloween that she actually remembered it. But mm. they also at her daycare talk about the virus a lot because they're very careful there, and so they have to explain to them like we have to do this because of the virus. So like. They'll have at a table, they'll be only, I mean, she's only in class with five other kids. And at a table, they'll be sitting at a table with a huge plastic shield between them. And if the kids are like, why is there a giant plastic wall between (laughs) us? They have to know, you know, well, there's a virus, you know. So she had some idea when, you know, and and honestly, we we had figured out some workarounds around trick-or-treating so she wouldn't miss it anyway. But those had to go out the window because, as you remember, uh, my wife had a COVID scare, mm-hmm. so she we both ended up testing negative, but we weren't sure, and so we had to be even more isolated. But once you know she got a costume on and we were running around the yard and she got to eat some candy, turned out like that eh, trick or treating, schmick or treating, it didn't really matter. You know, she kind of <laughs> let it go. <laughs> the candy's the thing, Liam. I have a question for you. Sure. So you know how some people they're resistant to wearing masks; they don't like to wear masks, right? Well, really, Liam, deep down, aren't we all wearing masks? <laughs> yeah. No, that's yeah? right. That's good. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh are you taking from the, the Chappelle line on Saturday Night Live? Isn't that what he said? 
I don't watch uh, the Saturday Night Live. I don't uh, enjoy it, Liam. It's not the kind of sketch comedy I most appreciate. You know what's funny, though, is that it, depending on the guest, I will on YouTube watch the monologue. Like I, 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 uh, I watch the Chappelle one. I watch the John Mulaney one. Uh, if there's someone who I think is funny, I'll watch that. But then the skits, it has to be – I have to see people talking about it for me to even watch it on YouTube. And that's for, that's for free. You know, like that's not like I'm not invested in anything. And All I'm right. Like, okay. Sh- uh, Liam, I've had enough of you. Shut up. Our guest today is a writer, podcaster, and expert on the sport of baseball. It's the great Andrew Stoughton. How are you doing today, Andrew? I am doing well. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Andrew, I was getting so bored with what Liam had to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I completely understand. I was listening and, and yeah, <laughs> terribly boring stuff. No, yeah, I'm similar. I I have uh, muted SNL hashtag SNL on my Twitter. I'm like, I just I want nothing to do with that. And the yeah, it sucks, right? Around, it's it. Uh, yeah, it I, stinks, I'm, and it's always been bad, <laughs> right, Andrew? I agree. I mean, I'm a person who uh, <laughs> I, I like to I like to go out. I like to go out and have a good time. So I have not spent a lot of Saturday nights at home <laughs> for the last sort of twenty years or so. So yeah. I, I, but my. My recollection of it is that it's terrible and always has been. Here's the thing, and I guess, you know, this is a podcast about SNL, so it's proper that we're <laughs> speaking about it. Uh, but the thing about SNL is I know that um, that a lot of very talented people are involved with it, and they get, like, the best of the best of these comedians, and then they put them in a format where none of them can use their abilities to the best of their abilities, right? So they all go and do better stuff outside the show because a live weekly sketch comedy show is not an ideal situation to make good sketch comedy. And I guess maybe that's just my opinion. I know some people really love Saturday Night Live, but to me, the whole uh, franchise, even though it's run by a Canadian, which I'm sure Andrew and I can both appreciate, mm-hmm. um, I think it, uh, it, it capital S, stinks. And I'm, I don't care what you have to say about it, Liam. I mean, I'm more offended that you suggest people do their best work after because that includes people like Rob Schneider and other uh, folks that SNL has foisted on our culture that are actually awful. That as soon as they leave the show, we all realize, oh, no, you are a talentless hack and there's no reason for you to have a career. I was speaking in generalities. Andrew, you're here with us today. A, because you're a delightful fellow, but B, because you know so much about baseball. It's a sport. Baseball is a sport. Have I got this part right so far? You're, you're on the right track, yeah. <laughs> well, how how do you know so much about baseball? Uh, you know, just from being a fan. We were speaking, you know, before the, the episode started. You mentioned 92 uh-huh. and 93, the Toronto Blue Jays. You know, I sort of came of age at the, the same time uh, when baseball was was enormous uh, here in the province of Ontario. Um, <laughs> and it just, just sort of... Blossomed from there. It also, you know, it sort of stems from uh, the the going out thing that I mentioned, <laughs> which is uh, uh, I used to watch a lot of movies when I first moved up to Toronto. I grew up in Peterborough, uh, which is about an hour and a half outside for those who don't know. Uh, and it turned out that the, the it, it was terrible watching movies all the time. I was kind of thrilled with the the possibilities of going to these like rep cinemas or going to you know sure. see smaller films, and and then mm-hmm. it, it just. Uh, it turned out a baseball ticket was about the same price, and we could sneak booze in, and uh, so we just started spending our money on that instead. And uh, you learn a lot about the game when you go like sixty times a year. And, Andrew, uh, it just snowballed basically. Do you remember Andrew uh, back in nineteen ninety two or nineteen ninety three? Now, Liam, uh, as Andrew referred to, the Toronto Blue Jays were the World Series winning team those two years. 
Um, at the time, they they released a CD of parody songs, except all the songs were about the Toronto Blue Jays. Do you remember this album, Andrew? I a hundred percent do. <laughs> I remember the commercial for it. I remember that they uh, they had a song about Joe Carter, and it went along came Joe. Yeah, I guess I, that's a. I think yes. that's the iconic one, the, the, the <laughs> most memorable, because I definitely remember that one as well. Move into T.O. I hope it doesn't snow. Yeah, no, I guess I remember more about it than I uh, than I even thought I remembered. <laughs> uh, I was obviously very into baseball during that time period and throughout uh, the 90s until the baseball strike ended my interest in the sport almost entirely. Why should people care about baseball, Andrew? Oh, my God. I, I don't know if people should. It's, okay. Uh, <laughs> but it's there. It's, it's Yeah. It, it, uh, you know, it's a... Uh, I, I, it is a it's a nice, wonderful sort of conversational game that operates at a pace where you can uh, you, you can have it in, in the background, which is a lovely sort of summer <laughs> thing to do. You can you, you can you can talk to the person at, in the seat next to you. That's what I always appreciated the most about oh. it. You know, some 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 sports, you know, hockey. You got to follow the puck. There's a lot of there's a lot of movement. There's a lot going on there. And baseball, it's sort of rele- relegated to just uh, you know. Once every 30 seconds or so, a guy's going to throw a pitch, and it allows uh, the conversation to breathe a little bit and, and makes it sort of a more cerebral game in some sort of ways. And that I think uh, that has value, and it, it brings it brings uh, communities together. There's nothing like in 2015 and 16 when the Blue Jays were uh, in the playoffs and looked like a team that could win the World Series. Uh, you know, go, jumping in a cab and the, the Jays game's on the radio where people are talking about it in the line at Starbucks, it's... Uh, uh, it, it's it's something that it's it's inescapable in those times, and it's kind of uh, it, that's kind of a lovely thing about it. But you know, don't get me started about say the people that run the sport, the billionaires oh that own the teams, or anything like that. I I can't really tell anybody to 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 make the poor life choices I have. But abolish uh, billionaires, says Andrew Stoughton <laughs> on this episode of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Andrew, as someone who does like ignoring things, mm-hmm. uh, you are selling me on baseball as a sport. Liam O'Donnell, you used to live in the Pennsylvania area. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Philadelphia Phillies is a baseball team in that area, and they have a mascot called the Philly Fanatic. Uh, yeah. So what's up with him? <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm not sure what what you need me to explain. He's He's a... He's a giant green dude who causes trouble. Is and he then, an alien? Uh, What's his deal? I mean, why do you care? Who who cares? <laughs> like, what to me? What makes the Philly fanatic great is that uh, he's fucking hilarious. He had an attitude problem before gritty even existed, <laughs> uh-huh. and then he paved the way for the uh, Antifa fire starter that is gritty to exist. And without fanatic, we could never have uh, the the pure ball of anarchism that is gritty. <laughs> Andrew has has the humble baseball mascot run its course. I I mean perhaps in in many places, but yeah, the fanatic is a, a legend. It was sort of the fanatic and the San Diego Chicken, you know, in the eighties. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, that were yeah. the big ones. The, like the fanatic will shoot off. A, he's got a hot dog cannon that he okay. just shoots into the All right, that yep. fires hot dogs yep. at people. I mean, is this the hilariousness that you were referring to, Liam? I mean, you can talk shit all you want, Doug, but this is established <laughs> fact in the world. Like mm. there, there are so many people in Philadelphia who couldn't give a shit about baseball, but if the fanatic showed up, they would lose it. Like he's just awesome. He's just very good at goofy shit. And is, and is he a monster? 
Who cares? <laughs> the fact that you even care about this makes you the nerdiest loser I've ever interacted with in my life. He's a fanatic. He's, okay. a, he's an antagonist, too, is the Yes, thing. exactly. Andrew, we're here to talk about the actor, the beloved actor, Eric Roberts. Now, uh, I have not talked to you at this point about what your knowledge or experience with Eric Roberts is. When I say the words Eric Roberts to you, what's the thing that immediately comes to mind? Oh, uh, wonderfully terrible movies. Really. Well, wonderfully <laughs> terrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can watch a Treat Williams film. I, I know, I know what uh, I know what bad movies are all about. Um, well, I mean, I take some offense to the suggestion: <laughs> a, a that they're all terrible, and b that many of them are enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> Fair, yeah. Well, what's the Eric Roberts movie that immediately comes to mind? What's his key role in the mind of you, Andrew Stoughton? I mean, it's it's what a what a long, strange career he's had. You know, like that's Star correct. Eighty is the first, you know, the early mm. one. Obviously, that's uh, that's like a real movie. Yes, which is you know, 100%. and a real performance, and like, uh, you know, I've I've seen that years ago, and probably seen it a few times. And he's uh, maybe not a ton of times. It's a bit of a downer, as you may recall. He has <laughs> a sex chair in it. He has a chair that he builds for sex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Strange, strange film based uh-huh. on a true story, of course. Yep. But uh, uh, like, yeah, it was like, uh, and, and then, and then, the roles sort of uh, <laughs> he never really got the, the same chance to shine. And Incorrect, think, because you're not remembering his <laughs> okay. Academy Award nominated performance in Runaway Train with beloved actor John Voight. I don't know what he's been up to lately. <laughs> mm. Yeah. <laughs> Sure, it's all good, uh, but then, yeah, then uh, everything that you just said is uh, 100% correct. However, as you also referred to, a very uh, productive actor. Makes a lot of films, uh, which is uh, the kind of thing that keeps us going, Liam, because we made a blood oath to watch the life and work of actor <laughs> Eric Roberts for all time. Uh, do you remember that, Liam? No, I've pushed it out of my memory with all A blood my- oath to watch the life and work of actor Eric Roberts, and what better way to do that than to check out all the latest Eric Roberts news on The Roberts Report. It's The Roberts Report. For this episode of Eric Roberts is the fucking man Redux, we continue with a deep dive on the man himself's Twitter feed. You can follow Eric Roberts on Twitter at Eric Roberts, all one word. And you definitely should. He's been tweeting up a storm uh, in regards to the fallout of the recent United States election. Have you heard about this, Liam? The United States election? Uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I heard something about that. Well, on November 9th, Eric Roberts was responding to a tweet from a gentleman named Jordan Rager. And Jordan Rager was saying, retweet if you miss when music was sad and awesome. And Eric Roberts adds on, not to mention live. So it seems to me that Eric Roberts misses live music. Andrew, are you a uh, a proponent of live music? Now, I heard that you enjoy uh, socializing with people. That's why you mm-hmm. don't enjoy movies anymore. You only enjoy baseball. And you like to drink. <laughs> That's something that you can do at a uh, at a concert. Do you like live music? Uh, I do, I do. I played in a band for years. I, oh I, my goodness! I, I uh, enjoy a live show. I would be stunned and thrilled to to see Eric Roberts, you know, uh, in the mosh pit in front of some <laughs> band. But uh, it sounds like he is uh, pining for it. Yeah. What What's the greatest concert you've ever attended, Andrew? Oh God, I mm-hmm. I I don't know. I can't oh, answer my. that. 
All right. Well, what's <laughs> the seen, worst? I've seen so, so many. So, so many. Well, just name a good one. What's a quality concert? What's, what should people be looking forward to in these trying times? Well, first of all, they can't go watch a concert in these trying times. That's, but they can I think, imagine I think it. that's Eric's point. Yeah, well, in your imagination, you can do all sorts of things, <laughs> thankfully. Uh, but, but you know, we're all looking forward. Look, five, ten years from now, this will all just be a bad memory. <laughs> and you can go out and see which artist, which one should we go see? Oh, my God. I don't know. I, know. I don't know. Oh, boy. I, Andrew's I, not willing to come I'm down on a side on the whole music. That. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to offend any of the wonderful artists that I... That I would, okay. would not be mentioning. That's fair enough. But Andrew, what instrument did you play in your band? I was the bass player because oh. uh, that's where they put the guitar player who is the worst among <laughs> the guitar players. <laughs> you know, Liam O'Donnell, rather notoriously, uh, was a singer in a music band. Right, Liam? Was this all just a lead up so you could get to this, Doug? <laughs> That's what we're doing? It's such you're a long a, fucking walk for such a cheap joke. You're I'm a joke? What, what, what joke? I'm just talking about the band Revolver Method that you were the lead singer uh, of, yeah, right. Liam. Uh, uh-huh. It was a punk band. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, okay. I mean, that, you, must, you guys must have enjoyed playing live when that was still possible. I mean, uh-huh. uh, define enjoyed. I mean, I guess if people were at the show, maybe. If people came, the few times people came, that, that that was cool, I guess. Do you miss live concerts, Liam O'Donnell? Well, I really do, especially because, as you know, Doug, I have a child. And when we had Maeve, it became harder for me to go to a lot of shows. And I kept telling myself, it's cool. You'll just go later. Uh, apparently not. Apparently, the last three years of skipping shows, I was skipping perhaps my last opportunity to see many of these bands, especially mm-hmm. because a number of bands in, in that I appreciate have been like, well, I don't know if we're going to keep doing the band because right. we have to get like jobs because we're not making any money as a band. And uh, that, you know, that's a bit of, a, and, and, and more than that it has been venues, a bunch of venues that I love mm-hmm. have started to close. So, uh, you know, yeah, I, 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 uh, I'm excited to see. I, I don't think it's over, you know. I think at some point we'll be able to do it again, but uh, uh, and I'm excited to see what that looks like. But the fact that I wasn't as active before it became a problem kind of bums me out because I might have seen a few things for the last time years ago. Maybe it's time to get the band back together, Liam. No, not my band. Doug. Why not? <laughs> Shit about that. Come on. How about you, Andrew? Should you get your band back together? Seems like with all these bands closing and all these venues closing, <laughs> people are going to need entertainment. Bands closing. Yeah, the bands. Isn't that what happened? They close? <laughs> <laughs> isn't that what that song, Closing Time, is about? Remember that song, Liam, by Semi-Sonic? Closing Time. Yeah, that one. Don't sing too much of it. We might get uh, nabbed. Andrew, mm-hmm. what's the best uh, genre of music? Oh God! I, I don't want to answer that one either. Oh I, my goodness! Know, I, I, I thought that would be an easy one. I like, I like it all. I like you know. There's the ninety percent. You like of it all? Terrible. Ninety percent of everything is terrible, and then there's ten percent. It doesn't really matter what genre it is. It's it's probably pretty good. I like Andrew just no selling all of your random gotcha questions. <laughs> like insist on doing every episode. Liam, what do you think? What genre do you think is the superior genre of music? Oh, I like country and West. ska. Oh. What? <laughs> no, uh yeah, I mean Skies is uh is fine. Yeah, you love it. I know it's fine. 
No, I don't really like it. I, I here's the thing. I used to talk a lot of shit about ska. Yeah. And I found out more of my friends like it than I realized. So I've been trying to talk less shit on ska. But like, really, uh, you know, I like the first specials record. It's okay. And there's a couple of like 60s, like really root ska uh, songs that are okay. But I couldn't sit through a whole ska record at this point, let alone if we're talking like 90s stuff. No, thank you. I, I could not possibly. That is remarkably exactly what I would have said to the ska question. Right. And the same, same thing, like more people than I realized like ska. So I've kind of, you know, stopped saying as vocally what I really think of most ska, but yeah, that first specials record record is great. And, uh, you know, some of the, yeah, some of those Trojan records, uh, sure. you know, 60s yeah. stuff. Amazing. Whatever, however you want to classify that. And, uh, and then but the rest for me, of ska, even that stuff, I don't want to do a if I see album. a trombone and a guitar next to each other, I'm kind of like, Jesus Christ, so I have to leave. Th- the timeline is madness invents ska in the early eighties. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Back tough. on November 4th, Marshall Bell at The Marshall Bell wrote on Twitter, about half of our USA doesn't agree with the other half about anything. Eric Roberts added on November 5th, not feeling much like, quote, United, quote, states anymore, is it? Has it ever? Liam, I'm going to start with you over here. Is the United States uh, gearing up for a civil war? <laughs> 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 I mean, I, I would say a chunk of the country has been gearing up for a civil war for quite some time. But I don't know. I Again, we, uh, we've we talked about this before. I, I previously was thinking that the Trump side had kind of lost their momentum to really get people riled up. But it seems like with each of these bullshit court cases that gets denied – the base is getting even more excited. They might they might be willing to do something. I don't know. Personally, I'm very skeptical of a full-on uh, conflict, but is there a chance that some people are going to shoot at some other people? I, I, that's still on the table, and it makes me very nervous uh, thinking about the country that way. Andrew, should we start arming the left? <laughs> I'm not going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. But yeah, Andrew, so this, obviously, I deal with this yes, all the time, but, Andrew. But, this yeah. is what it's like to be on a show with Doug constantly. <laughs> but no, we should. We, it, we we should all be armed to the teeth. I I feel. There we go. See, I like uh, that's a <laughs> that's a concrete answer that I could sh- surely use against you in some capacity uh, in the future. Will. Yeah, Andrew. We both live in in Canada. Indeed. Right. And yes. I mean, again, we have problems here in Canada and I don't want anyone out there to pretend that we don't. But what has it been like, Andrew, watching the United States over the past few months? Uh, you know, it's been similar to watching them over the last 20 years or so. Sure. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it, it, it's got its own little uh, uniqueness, the, this moment. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but we're always sort of, you know, aghast at the things that are happening down there. They're just sort of continued to spiral out of control it seems yeah spiraling out of control is that an accurate way to say uh how things are going down there liam yeah that feels fine <laughs> liam speaking of how things are going on november 6th uh, eric roberts once again responding i don't know if eric roberts has ever actually responded to someone on twitter i think he only quote tweets but he was responding to someone named greg almond uh not that greg almond a different one who was saying for some unexplained reason i've got the urge to sing Ray Charles right now, and Eric Roberts says, funny, I've got an urge to sing Ding Dong, The Witch is Dead. Hmm. Referring specifically 
to the recent U.S. election, I believe. Eric Roberts, uh, seemingly, if I'm interpreting this correctly, not a fan of your current president, Donald Trump. And when you see someone being so openly uh, derisive towards your leader, your commander-in-chief, how upset does that make you? (laughs) Weirdly, Doug, not at all. Isn't that strange? Why is that, Liam? Uh, Because, you know, I think... uh, Feeling a particular uh, personal affinity towards any politician is is probably a form of mental illness. Uh, honestly, I think having faith that someone might do a good job is rational, but uh, the idea that you're like you know hurt at like a very personal level that someone's like that dude sucks. It's like yo, know, their job is to be the person who people get mad at. Like that's how it hap- That's how it works. You know. So uh, I don't know. I can't. I can't really be invested in that. Andrew, who's the greatest baseball player of all time? Uh, you know, uh, probably no. Barry, probably Barry Bonds. Barry uh, Bonds, an unpopular, <laughs> an unpopular answer because of you know the cheating. <laughs> but uh, but I'm of the mind that uh, that that baseball doesn't get to uh, to decide after the fact that what he was doing is wrong because they were very permissive about. All of that stuff for a very long time until it became politically untenable for them. Uh, and then suddenly decided we better punish some guys just to make it seem like we're serious. Uh, so he was sort of a monster that they created and was an incredible player before. I mean, like the, the numbers that he put up in those uh, early 2000 seasons in San Francisco are just absurd video game numbers that are just incomprehensible to anybody who you know still watches the game and, and you know follows where the stats are kind of right now. So, uh, you know. Uh, Willie Mays would be a better answer, but I'm, I've said Barry Bonds, so I'm going to stand by it. I respect that you're going with the unpopular <laughs> answer. So you think no asterisks? Get those out of here. The numbers I, it, stand. I think I yeah I I do because I think that the it, the asterisks is a way for the minders and the owners of the league to uh, to get the stink off themselves, which really but they're absolving themselves. Yeah, and, and and you know the media was part of that too, which I am you know sort of a, a peripheral figure in as well. You know, people a lot of people turned their heads and, and turned a blind eye to what was going on because it was making them money. And after the fact, they decided these were bad guys doing that when they allowed it all to happen. And I don't think we should stand for uh, for them being uh, punished that way, uh, even if you know his head did increase in size. It <laughs> like, did his head did factors. increase in size. <laughs> He got rather Cro-Magnon there for a bit, a uh, bit. but but yeah, these things happen. No asterisk. That's what we're saying uh, here. Uh, what about Pete Rose? Wonderful player. Uh, bad gambler. Yeah, bad gambler. Uh, <laughs> um, not not on my list, but I understand people uh, people like like Charlie Hustle. Quite a narrative there. Uh, got a lot of hits. Uh, <laughs> got probably, a lot of hits. Probably probably. Uh, Probably more than he should have. I think he might have been penciling himself into the lineup when he was sort of past his best before date uh, just to keep racking him up. But, uh, you know, the respect to the longevity, I guess, and, and the grift, which he's, uh, he's continuing to do. And, and But I'd throw him in the Hall of Fame, too. Uh, Andrew, probably, less, co- probably less quickly, frankly, because the gambling is pretty well established. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't bet on your own team, you idiot. Andrew, uh, we're a couple of guys talking about sports right now, and we're going to uh, shift uh, <laughs> a little bit to talking about another cool thing. Doctor Who, the television series. 
very popular in uh, sports circles. I'm going to go over to you for a second, Liam. Now, this is pretty exciting. We talk a little bit about Doctor Who here on Eric Roberts' The Fucking Man podcast because Eric Roberts played the character of the Master in the 1996 Doctor Who TV movie. Now, we covered that way back when, actually pre-Liam O'Donnell. Do you remember this, Liam? (laughs) Yeah, when I wasn't on the show. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, do you remember that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Well, I watched that, and uh, I don't know a lot about Doctor Who, but my understanding is that people did not like that television movie. They did not like Eric Roberts' portrayal of the Master, and generally they just wanted to forget that whole thing existed until a few years ago it seemed like it kind of turned a corner and people were into it again, and that has now gotten to the point where Eric Roberts, his performance as the Master, he's back doing it. Uh, he's per- he's performing as the Master in these um, audio dramas that are apparently quite popular for Doctor Who. And even recently, because now he's going to be starring in one of these audio dramas, he actually made another live-action appearance uh, in a tweet for Big Finish Productions, which is the company that makes these uh, productions. So Eric Roberts, back as the Master, very exciting. Over to you, Andrew. You're a Doctor Who fanatic. Obviously. <laughs> Do you know anything about Doctor Who? Now, we uh, growing up here in Canada, um, we, I remember watching some reruns of Doctor Who. They used to show up sometimes on YTV, our Canadian uh, children's television uh, channel here sometimes, and on PBS. Do you know anything about Doctor Who, Andrew? Uh, I know a little bit. I can't say I've ever watched Doctor Who. I've seen my dad watching Doctor Who in the 80s, and I, I think it was probably the, the fourth Doctor kind of era. Sure. Uh, which may which may have indeed been those YTV or PBS ones. Uh, uh, also, Pink Floyd. I've uh, uh, I've listened to that Pink Floyd song that sort of quotes it, or or uh, got a bit of a Doctor Who theme in the the pre Dark Side days. You know, if we want to talk music again, I'm yes, like, we're comfortable that with that than fucking Doctor Who. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, I'm familiar that there's a guy with a, a magic phone booth or something. Yes, Magic Phone Booth. People who like Doctor Who will not be upset no, at you saying not. that whatsoever. <laughs> uh, Liam O'Donnell, are you excited about the return of Eric Roberts as the master? I don't listen to a lot of audio dramas. I think yeah, if this was a new TV true. movie, I actually would be a little excited, though I'm not a huge Who Head. I don't know what people call themselves. Whovians? I don't know what they fucking (laughs) call themselves. Uh, I'm not a big fan of of Doctor Who, but uh, I'm familiar enough that I would enjoy watching him in a movie. But audio drama is just not my vibe. I do like the idea that some of these actors who have been part of this Doctor uh, uh, Who universe, who maybe are getting up there in years and maybe they wouldn't be able to to be in a sort of a live action production that this allows them to continue those characters. Right. I think that's kind of a fun thing. And they do that. I guess big finish does that with other properties as well, including dark shadows for anyone who cares about that. And I know some people do, I'm just not one of them. Um, Liam, this was a tweet that did have Eric Roberts doing a little performance. What did you think of this tweet? It seemed cool. I, parts of it, it felt like he was reaching for what he was saying. Like, I don't know <laughs> that he was totally as off book as he needed to be. But uh, but still, it was neat to see it. Andrew. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Love Hewitt. Okay. Does she? <laughs> yeah. Keith <Stop>. David. <laughs> Legend. Mm-hmm. And Eric Roberts are set for the family picture Pups Alone. This is an upcoming film. 
Jennifer Love Hewitt, Keith David, and Eric Roberts are going to be in Pups Alone. Uh, it says here the pick follows a ragtag group of neighborhood dogs who team up to save Christmas from two bumbling thieves and their scheming boss. And actually, I guess hearing uh, or reading, I should say, this plot summary, it sounds kind of like that it's going to be like Home Alone, except with pups. How excited does that make you when you hear that, Andrew? Uh, surprisingly, quite intrigued and excited, actually. Yeah, let's let's see some pups do some uh, cartoonish violence to thieves. What if I was to tell you? <laughs> what if I was to tell you this, Andrew? And this is one hundred percent true, and has been referenced previously on an episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, and Liam might be able to remember this as well. Uh, Eric Roberts has also appeared in a film that uh, before it was retitled, it was a, uh, a a black version of Home Alone that was called Homey Alone. What do you think about that? I mean, what year was that? This was like three years ago, but I think it sat on the shelf for a while and then was retitled. But there was an announcement on Eric Roberts as the fucking man for an upcoming movie called Homey Alone. Yeah, I mean, that's a choice. That they made, I guess. <laughs> Do you remember Homie Alone, Liam? <laughs> I remember talking about it, but we never watched it, right? We have not yet watched it, but mm. we will because we made a blood oath to watch the life and work of actor Eric Roberts. Liam, thoughts about Pups Alone? Sure, why not? That sounds you great. Did... Andrew, do you have a dog? I do not have a dog. Liam you may doesn't have heard earlier my, my downstairs neighbor's dogs were barking right at the start of the, the podcast. I hope nobody yeah. heard that. But I uh... heard it, but it's oh, okay. Well, I love go. dogs. I love them, and I love the idea of them stopping crime because right. there's one thing I love, it's dogs, and it's the one thing I hate, it's crime. Have you ever owned a dog in your lifetime, Andrew? Uh, I, I, my dad had allergies, as do I, so sadly, oh, no. no, I am a big fan of dogs and then a big fan of finding some allergy pills immediately after, uh, uh, you know, having a, meeting a good pupper. <laughs> I have a, a dog <laughs> in my household. It's a... Uh, uh, part husky, part Siberian husky, part Malamute in a small apartment here in Peterborough, Ontario, Canada. Uh, not a, not a, uh, probably not a good thing for your proposed allergies. Liam, you also have allergies. Is that correct? No, sir. Now you don't own a cat. I do. Okay. Uh, so dystopian fantasy feature, Gra- uh, Greatland, Liam, from writer-director Dana Zia-Sheva. And starring Oscar nominee Eric Roberts has been acquired by Indie Rights, set in an imaginary country dubbed the birthplace of love, an endless source of fun. The film tells the tale of Ulysses, a rebellious non-binary teen, on a mission to save his childhood sweetheart as an absurd election and deadly virus wreck chaos and violence. The movie Greatland. Liam, are you excited about this? No. Why? Why is that? It doesn't sound uh, fully baked as a as an idea, but and and honestly, Eric Roberts is the only name I recognize associated with this thing. But I don't know, maybe maybe it'll be all right. Uh, actually, I beg to differ. Uh, it also features Bill Oberst Jr., uh, who has actually has been in a number of the low budget horror movies that I've seen over the last several years, as well as Nick Moran, who you probably would remember from Lock, Stock, and Two Smoky Barrels if you've ever seen that movie. Liam, who is he in that? I think he's like the lead, the lead of the good guys. Yeah, but what did he do that was good after Lockstock? He went up the apples and pears to see his trouble and strife. Stop. <laughs> Andrew, if you could live anywhere on the planet, where would you live? <laughs> uh, you know, 
I I do enjoy the uh, the health care that I get here in good old Canada. Oh my god! I must Are you say, really going to say Canada? <laughs> I'm absolutely not going to say Canada. I, I'd have to I'd have to step back in the country every once in a while. Uh, you know, I'm 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 a fan of like uh, uh, Mexico and and Central mm. America is pretty fun. Cool. Mm-hmm. What's cool? What's great about Mexico? Why why should our listeners go to Mexico? Uh, well, first of all, it's it's sunny. Mm. It's nice and I mean, it, it's a very large country. The, the the I'm sure there's various weather patterns, different places at different times. Um, but no, I don't know. I've, I've been to the the, the Mayan Riviera kind of area, area oh. and uh, just pretty chill. And and uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, it's a delicious uh, delicious beverages. Uh, good times. Beautiful delicious scenery. beverages. Good times. Mexico. Recently added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts IMDb page is Nicholas Nathaniel's Memoirs of a Fighter from the year 2021. The plot is a tragic accident leads a man to the aid of his closest friend. The war against PTSD matched with the battles of marriage are obstacles they must face. One will fight in the cage, the other will fight for his daughter. This is Memoirs of a Fighter featuring Eric Roberts as the character Peter Williams as well as Tara Reid and Vernon Wells. Uh, uh, Vernon Wells, of course, um, from the classic Commando as well as uh, Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior. Uh, when you see the name, uh, the names, I should say, Andrew, uh, Eric Roberts, Tara Reid, and Vernon Wells, does it make you excited to check out Memoirs of a Fighter? It, it does, and then I realize that it's not former Blue Jays center fielder Vernon Wells. I remember this gentleman. That yeah, talking but about. but also then I remember. Oh yeah, Commando. He he. Vernon Wells is awesome, no matter which one. So yes, I'm again excited. He plays a pastor. Vernon Wells as pastor, or maybe uh, a character named Pastor. Uh, I guess rather memorably in Commando, Vernon Wells has sort of like a a chainmail shirt, uh, <laughs> and uh, he he uh, is at odds with Matrix, the character played by uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and eventually he gets a pipe. Driven through his sternum, and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger says something like, uh, "Let off some steam." Or do you remember this, Andrew? Oh, a hundred percent. I could have, I could have just done the quotes for you right there if you would tell, prefer. Tell me, does he say that? Does he does he say, "Let off some steam, Bennett"? Something like that. I believe it's, the, I believe it's that. It, it, it's in Arnold's amazing way. It is somehow more awkward. <laughs> it, it, you know, the best take was still not great, but that's basically what he says. You get it. I get it, and I hope I hope our listeners get it as well. If you haven't seen Commando, uh, though Eric Roberts is not in it, listeners, I do strongly recommend uh, you check out Commando. If, if there's any takeaway from this episode, I hope it's that. Liam, should we check out Memoirs of a Fighter from the year 2021? Well, I wasn't that excited about it, but you, you missed the most important credit, which is that Please. Weston Cage Coppola will be playing himself. So now, that alone is selling a ticket. Now, who is this Weston Cage? Coppola? I don't know. I just thought that was hilarious. He's got to be part of the family, right? Uh, he's got both the names in there. Come on, man. He's I definitely got... in that network. Uh, but and apparently, he's famous enough to be playing himself in this movie. It's funny. I'm looking now. I'm looking up uh, Weston Cage Coppola, but it says here that his actual name is Weston Coppola Cage because he is the 29 year old son of Nicholas Cage. Right, but he decided that Coppola was more respectable than Cage, and he switched them? <laughs> I mean, depending on what year it is, he may or may not be correct about that. Oh, man, sure. Play himself. You're right. That is kind of exciting. Uh, but also, and I picked this movie for a reason, uh, this movie also features a professional wrestler 
in its cast. Uh-huh. I cast. So. Brian Cage plays the character of Goliath. Uh, Brian Cage, a uh, professional wrestler on AEW. And that ties into the movie that we are going to be talking about today. 90 Feet From Home, a baseball-themed, somewhat faith-based movie which stars professional wrestler, the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. I'm very excited about this. But before we talk about that, Liam, are we going to check out uh, Memoirs of a Fighter? I think we said we were going to do it. We have to, right? Yeah. Why yeah. is that? I don't fucking... Some dumb reason. We made a blood oath. I think it's yes. a blood oath, yeah. Blood, thank you, oh, Andrew. God. Thank you. I mean... Somebody is, realizes look, it. is blood thicker than water? No. Isn't it? No. No? No, everyone gets that quote quote wrong. It's actually the other way around. Water is thicker than blood? I think so. I'm just going to bring things to a fucking halt. I mean, did, you... did we change the definition of what thickness is? At this yeah, point? right? Okay. No, it's a, it's a weird Jesus thing. It's either oh, that the waters uh, of baptism are more important than your family, or the blood of Jesus is more important than the waters of your birth. Oh, either you know, way, I'm... it was some weird monk thing. I missed that in the powerful Christian messaging in 90 Feet from Home. <laughs> I know! They cut that scene out. <laughs> Liam, I think it's time for us to take a break. When we return, we are going to talk about 2019's 90 Feet from Home. You told me I was nothing to nobody. Justice Raymond, you take it. A former troubled Major League Baseball player returns home to confront his abusive stepfather. It's 90 feet from home from the year 2019, a faith-based sort of uh, action, no, not an action, thriller, maybe something like that, a movie that has baseball as a theme somewhat in the background, directed by Brett Bentman, a very prolific director. Uh, Over the last few years, he's been uh, focusing mostly on modern westerns, including one recently starring Dustin Rhodes of the Rhodes Wrestling Family. This film also features a wrestler in a lead role, the heartbreak kid Shawn Michaels. We'll be talking about him in just a little bit. Uh, But this is a movie kind of at its core. It's about redemption, revenge, all those great things. Dean Cain shows up. The, uh, The marvelous Dean Cain shows up briefly in the movie as well. And it stars... Adam Hampton as the um, now-retired baseball player, as well as Tom Thalem as his uh, police officer brother. Uh, let's talk about this movie, 90 Feet From Home. I'm going to start with our guest today, Andrew Stoughton. Uh, this is a movie I made you watch because I thought it was ostensibly going to be about the sport of baseball. Baseball kind of takes a back seat in it, but that doesn't make it mean that the movie is bad. In fact, as you already said, most baseball movies are straight-up horrible. What did you think of 90 Feet From Home? Uh, yeah, it, it wasn't straight up horror. It wasn't a baseball movie. It was, uh, you know, I'm, we will get into it. I'm sure, mm-hmm. uh, some of its foibles, but, uh, but, <laughs> but, 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 you know, it was okay. It was, it was, uh, I wasn't hating that I was watching it even by the end. It was a little long. Um, but, uh, but I've seen worse. 
you've seen worse, a strong recommendation for 90 Feet From Home. It is two hours long, which I have to say, you know, in the grand scheme of movies, two hours doesn't seem like a very long time. But for a faith-based, somewhat baseball movie, <laughs> it feels like an eternity. Uh, maybe it, it was meant to make us kind of ruminate our, on our own lives by, by being so long. But Andrew, just sticking with the movie for a second, this is a movie about redemption and about faith, I guess, to some extent. How how engaged were you with the story of this retired baseball player getting revenge on his abusive stepfather? I, you know, I his his abusive stepfather was a real piece of shit. He really was. Like they made that very clear. We, we wasn't exactly clear why he was such a dickhead, but uh, he had some uh, he had some anger issues. He had some problems. Liked to drink. He did. Uh, you know the the funny thing was at the end. You know, uh, Shawn Michaels. He's, he's in, the, in the redemption arc. He's got the he's got the book in his hand there and talking about how that's helped him. You don't, you don't really actually see that it's a Bible. It could have been any book. <laughs> so I, I, the Christian aspect was was sort of lost on me. But I, those messages are sometimes not on my radar because I, I know very little about anything like that. But uh, would have been great if it pulled out and it was the fountainhead. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that have been great? <laughs> <laughs> no, but please continue. <laughs> oh, no, I, yeah, no, I, I don't know. I, uh, the baseball stuff, we, I, you know, I thought I was going to be talking about a lot of baseball stuff. Yeah. Really, you know, the, you give, the title is, uh, is a little bit baseball-ish. And then, you know, you see him as a kid, you know, hit a couple balls to shortstop and, <laughs> and the, the, the scout's like, wow, look at the power on that. And you kind of, you don't see where the ball lands, but. Uh, you know, I got some problems with his swing mechanics, frankly. Uh, <laughs> we could get into that. Uh, Actually, but, Andrew, but... I want to ask you about these these uh, scouts. Now, is this a very realistic thing? Now, this guy is probably, uh, what, high school age or just over. Mm. Yeah, I guess he's high school because we know that he's in school. And they're scouting him because he's he's got all the all of the things he can field he can uh, hit he's got all the uh, the mechanics that they they want and then they offer him they give him a straight up check and they offer him and they need him to sign it that night yeah uh, is this a do you think that's a very realistic uh, <laughs> way of, of scouting that we see in this movie yeah, that, that, that's not really how the industry works no I mean there's relationships that are built over time with scouts and players and uh, and you know the draft has its own particular process. Uh, it isn't just handing kids checks, uh, but you know I get that in a movie. That's that's not the most interesting thing. Obviously, you you want to spend more time watching Shawn Michaels beat some kid for no reason with a baseball bat. <laughs> like, fuck, he's so upset about this kid like getting a baseball contract that he takes a baseball bat and he beats him up until his arm is all shattered. Not not very cool, I wouldn't say, Andrew. No, it was uh, you know they very made it they made it very clear. Not a good guy. That's another thing about this movie, by the way. It's very serious. Like, it's not, it's hard to talk about this movie in a funny, jovial way because it's about, like, abuse and it's not funny at all. No, and, there's, uh, there's no laugh. There's no, not even a pause for a laugh about anything in it at all in the two hour slog that it kind of was. Well, thankfully, we have someone here on the show, Liam O'Donnell, who hates laughing. So, Liam, what did you mm. think of 90 Feet from Home? <laughs> I loved how I didn't laugh the entire time. No, uh, I actually thought, to me, the melodrama of the early part of the movie, and you're right, it is serious, but it's so serious, and I wasn't yet aware of where the movie was going because I made a point not to read anything about it. Um, 
I thought it was going to be funny in the most laugh at you kind of way. Cause I thought, Oh man. So drunk dad's going to find Jesus and it's going to be this like family coming back together thing or whatever. So when, um, uh, baseball brother comes back and he's actually the Hulk and all he wants to do is murder his dad. <laughs> that was a turn. I, again, I was picturing like a Hallmark movie. You know what I mean? Like I was picturing like a like, yeah, maybe a little grittiness here and there, but not like a. And this movie was like, yeah, 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 it's a family drama. But then it's kind of an exploitation movie because <laughs> it's like a for a movie about Jeebus. Sure are a lot of fucks. Everyone's like, uh, yeah, fucking with the fucking. I'll fucking yeah. murder that fuck. Why does that like, surprise you? People can love Jesus and also love saying the word fuck. <laughs> but they don't usually put it. If you are of no, the true. kind of Jeebus that is please like, stop. Please stop saying that, please. I won't. I won't. Right. Okay. <laughs> and uh, that wants to make a movie about it. And you're going to have the, the cojones to say this is a faith-based baseball movie or whatever. Um. You usually aren't like, yeah, you might have one or two, but there's a lot in this movie. Uh, Ed, uh, it's a movie that, so, okay, so when it made the dark turn, I actually went the other way, Doug, because as you know, I am a fan of people who are down with the JC, but also can drop a a fuck here and there and are into into violence. I'm like, oh, we're going in a fun direction here. This is going to be great. But then back in my head, I thought, no, this dude's going to be some sort of weird MAGA type dude. And this movie is going to be not what you think it is. And I'm like, you don't know, man, this could be great. And uh, oh, boy, this is a film not so much about forgiveness, though it pretends to be as much as it is about um, strong man emotions. It is Mm. a it is a movie entirely about male uh, ennui. Uh, and 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 all of the women in it exist just to be outlets mm. for various strong male emotions, and those men uh, will strongly yell them at each, at each other. And it is a film that can't get its morals straight. Like you are supposed to empathize with the fact that Dean Cain wants to murder uh, Shawn Michaels. That's cool. And like, yeah, he's a bit of a jerk about it, but. You're still supposed to be like, yeah, I get it, Dean Kane. I'm right there with you, Dean Kane. I don't think you're right, <laughs> but I feel you. But the two men who uh, you hired to do it, their lives don't matter because uh, a big, strong baseball boy can go ahead and murder those guys and cover it up with his uh, gray fox cop brother. And that's cool. No, there's no consequences for that. That doesn't fucking matter. But he can't possibly murder the one guy he actually has a blood debt to, his shitty stepdad. That that's got to be more about him throwing his baseball stuff away, which I guess is like symbolically he's killed his pain over baseball or some shit. I don't know. The the, the redemption arcs in this movie make no goddamn sense. The morals of the movie make no goddamn sense. And in the end, when it ended, I thought, what faith is this based on? Because it's not like. Other than the fact that apparently Shawn Michaels' character is slightly less of an asshole because he goes to AA. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, there doesn't seem to be much of a religious uh, sentiment in this film whatsoever. And I'm not saying it needs it. It just feels like, well, then why is that part of the idea? of the, you, you could just make a movie and not have it not claim that that's part of what the movie's about. 
And then it would have a lot of these same themes. You know what I mean? Like, it's like I'm looking for something that's not there because you've set me up to look for it. Much like someone might watch this movie looking for baseball and also find (laughs) baseball is not getting within the film. Liam, what if I was was to tell you this, that Dean Cain's pin tweet is uh, a picture of, of his son and himself praying at the exact spot where Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist in the kingdom of Jordan. I wouldn't be surprised by that. He's a he's a, a bit of a crazy person, but uh, what? Why is he crazy? Because he enjoys uh, religion, Liam. I know, you're a person who enjoys religion. I mean, I would say there's a deep uh, chasm between me and Dean Kane. And, and really, I think what, if you guys were to hang out or were to sit next to each other on a plane, <laughs> you'd find out that you have. Yeah, in fact, notoriously, I think we even brought this up on an episode of Eric Roberts of the Fucking Men. Uh, Dean Kane once said that if he had an opportunity to sit next to somebody for an hour, that they would. Uh, always end up agreeing with his politics by the end of it because he's such a strong. He said something along those lines, Liam. I mean, I'm I'm not a Dean Cain fan. We'll just leave it at that. I imagine that people do just agree to get him to shut up. They're, oh yeah, <laughs> they're like, I mean, wow, the worst Superman is talking to me. <laughs> also, I, I remembered as you were speaking about Dean Cain and his his henchmen there. I did get one laugh out of the film, which was when they. They were dumping their disposable bodies over the bridge. Uh, the The sound effect was like a thud, like it landed on the ground. <laughs> I was like, what, are you, what are you, dumping it on the ground below the bridge? I don't think that's good, a... Good work, guys. It's, yeah. No one will find it. <laughs> they, I like the fact that we're supposed to believe, okay, they dump these bodies, which are immediately found by the police. Immediately. <laughs> and then later, when uh, the movie is trying to trick us that, that uh, the character has murdered Shawn Michaels, that he also dumps the body in the same place. <laughs> that yeah. The police have already found the bodies of people. <laughs> we, we do discover, listeners, that he was actually dumping in a body bag a bunch of, of baseball memorabilia. Uh, he's going to be really upset when he finds out that Cal Ripken Jr. rookie card ended up getting soaked in the, uh, in the uh, local river. We need yeah. to talk about Shawn Michaels, Andrew. Sure. Can I say, though, I, I do feel, the more I'm thinking about it... Please. I feel he murdered... His, I, he, I feel he murdered his dad, and then later on, the filmmakers were like, uh, "Let's just let's 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 we got some money from these Christians. Let's make it into a, a morality play where <laughs> it's about his redemption and his choice not to murder him." You're telling I me he wouldn't fall? He wouldn't play. fall to his knees and scream to the sky because he <laughs> tossed out some old baseball trophies? <laughs> just a theory I'm working on. Well, Andrew, the movie, actually, yeah. the movie also seems to suggest that his main issue with his dad was just that he didn't get to play baseball in the same way he could have if right. his dad hadn't broken his arm and not the like years of terror and abuse. It's like, yeah, the years of terror and abuse, but he missed that on baseball, guys like that. That's really the point here. I'm like, uh, I don't know. If, it's probably the PTSD is more of an issue than than like the oh, I only had four good years in the leagues or whatever. Yeah, well, no, those those nights of terror waiting for your stepdad to come in with a baseball right, bat. Right, right. Not as important as as the you know the one time he went to a game. And we are supposed to believe that he still played in the major leagues at least for a a period of time. Uh, so I mean I don't know how long we're supposed to think that actually occurred. There's a 15 year gap in this movie. It just jumps ahead 15 years, and it so it starts with the the kind of youth of this character where he's being abused by Shawn Michaels uh, then I should say the character that Shawn Michaels plays now that I think about it he jumps ahead 15 years and he's now uh, had to retire from baseball or actually I guess he gets dropped by the team uh, he's come back to his hometown and is getting revenge 
uh, on Shawn Michaels for being such a piece of garbage when he was a kid. So that's kind of what the movie is all about. I do want to talk about Shawn Michaels as an actor. Now, uh, for those listening to this who are like, why do they keep saying the name Shawn Michaels? Shawn Michaels was a professional wrestler uh, throughout the 80s and 90s and into the 2000s, uh, known as the Heartbreak Kid. One of the things he was most known for, uh, A, was being a very good professional wrestler for those who can um, measure those things, but B, for being a real asshole. Like, that is one of the things, if people talk about Shawn Michaels in the 1990s, it's notorious that he was a real piece of garbage. Uh, And then he, like his character in this movie, uh, became a born-again Christian and now is apparently a good guy. Uh, So he actually went through an arc similar, (laughs) but not the same as his character in this movie, because uh, even aside from being abusive in this movie, we find out in the 15 years that the gap in the movie that he went to jail for drunkenly running down and murdering two young girls. In fact, Dean Cain's character in this movie, he was the father of those girls, and then he hires two uh, young black men to uh, to get revenge, and those guys get murdered, and the movie doesn't care about that at all, as you referred to, Liam. Liam, what do you think of Shawn Michaels and his performance in this movie? I mean, he is unfortunately quite believable when he is, though I think the writing is bad, so the character isn't fleshed out enough. His performance as angry, drunken man willing to hurt children... <laughs> it's 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 pretty it's pretty fleshed out there considering how little writing went into it. The 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 drop really happens, and again, I, I, I think this is more the script than his performance, is the redeemed uh old drunkman. Uh he just <laughs> there's nothing there. None of the, the it's and and the worst part of it is he's written in such a way where he feels bad, but he's still amazed that they're still bad. Like he's like, guys, I feel really bad, but why are you still angry at me? And I'm like are you kidding? They're never not going to be angry <laughs> at you. Like that's come on, you know. I think it's and 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 again, I don't think that's his performance per se, though. Though he he can't save it with his performance. It's the writing, right? The writing wants to both um, have him be uh, reticent and apologetic, and you know, dealing with it, but also a little surprised at the level of aggression. And I'm like, you don't get to have both. That doesn't work, you know. Uh, and then poor Shawn Michaels has to live that out while looking at, like he hasn't aged a minute and uh, mostly just holding a blanket. He spends a lot of the movie holding a blanket and then briefly drinking from a bottle. And, th- and that, that's kind of about it. There's a lot of people uh, in this movie chewing tobacco and spitting it as well. Liam. True. I forgot about that. There's a lot of uh, disregard for lip cancer in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think the suggestion, because when the 15 years passes, the Scott Conway character, the character who was abused as a kid and was a baseball player, he then is chewing tobacco later. There's a suggestion that he, that he is becoming his stepfather, that he has taken on a lot of those anger issues, that he even looks somewhat like him. And this movie, I guess, is about those cycles and trying to break those cycles. And when the decision is made, spoiler alert, that uh, this character does not murder his stepfather at the end of the movie, we're supposed to think that in some way he has broken that cycle. However, he has murdered some other people at that point. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how much he's necessarily broken the cycle. Andrew, what do you think of Shawn Michaels, the heartbreak kid in the movie 90 Feet from Home? Yeah, I, I I agree with Liam. Like it was he was he was definitely passable and definitely early on in the film. Uh, really embraced that sort of dickhead role. I mean, uh, as you said, 
uh, the real life. I remember one time he kicked Marty Jannetty through a, a glass window. He certainly uh, did. Was, which was, I mean, that's that's a dick move right there, Sean. Mm-hmm. I can't believe he would do a thing like that. Uh, and that he's that he's still so revered is, is kind of stunning to me. But uh, but such is such is life, I guess. Uh, I guess he I guess he worked hard to to you know amend uh, all the bad things he did. But uh, but yeah, but the, this character. Very much did not. He was just Sorry to like... interrupt, Andrew, but I hesitate to mention that just this year, <laughs> Marty Jannetty himself uh, actually confessed to a murder on to, on his Facebook, I believe, just a few months ago, that then he later, when he was investigated by the police, he said he was just joking. <laughs> I assure you, I did not know that. <laughs> um, okay, so maybe kicking the Poor Marty Jannetty. Oh, man. <laughs> Poor fella. Maybe Sorry, John Michaels was right. Then I don't know. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe that was a good thing. Uh, Sorry, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it, the the blanket uh, was amazing because clearly it was just to hide his. Like he does not have old man arms. Like no. the aging was nope. was very odd. Uh, the fifteen year, like the title card comes up, and then it's like, oh. The here's here's the gray haired cop who was, you know, the the younger brother, the older brother of the uh, of the main character being abused. Uh, and he is he is aged like 40 years. And then there's Shawn Michaels with a blanket on him. <laughs> but Michael's acting was 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 fine. I thought he was pretty good, all things considered. I mean, I was not expecting much out of this performance, but I think, you know, I think he does a better job as the abusive asshole because it's it's it. I mean, it's kind of believable, but it's also, it's a little bit better written. But as I think Liam referred to, and as you're referring to as well, Andrew, it's very, there's not much to his character post his redemption. He just is like, hey, why is everyone so mean to me? I don't do that stuff anymore. (laughs) But it's just like, hey, remember when you beat your son so badly with a baseball bat that you broke his arm and then you ran over two kids and murdered them? (laughs) And and his his wife was just like, what? Like... He's that was been in prison, and he's in the program. The idea that he's just kind of, I don't know, forgot all the things he did just doesn't really work. But every time he's like, well, I guess, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't that bad. I was like, what? Yeah, but I'm dying. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, Liam, is it is it bad that one of the things that I find distracting about Shawn Michaels in this movie is that his eyes are crossed, <laughs> and it's something that I can't not see uh, like Shawn Michaels appears on uh WWE television sometimes now um like as someone commenting on things and his he, his eyes are crossed and i mean there's nothing wrong with that and i'm not trying to be uh, critical of people who have cross eyes in real life but the fucking dude's eyes are crossed and i find it very distracting am i a bad person because of that Liam no i also found it distracting it's mm-hmm. fine um i mean no judgment on him like people are what they are and they look how they look uh but um, I don't know if I was the director, if I would have had quite as many shots of him staring fucking directly <laughs> into the camera, knowing <laughs> that he was cross-eyed. I also think it's interesting, the casting in this movie, because, um, yes, yeah, Shawn Michaels is a strong man and, and, and strong enough that he needs that blanket for us not to see his strong, muscly arms. <laughs> but he's also a shortman. He is not a tall figure. That is correct. Mm-hmm. He is a wee little man, as a surprising number of wrestlers are, actually. Uh, you know, I don't know if they're compensating for something or whatever, but he's not a big dude. And they're like, let's cast two uh, larger men as his sons, one of whom 
looks like he could eat Thor. Like this, <laughs> this baseball gentleman. I mean, I guess after baseball, he briefly did like uh, competitive lifting or something. Like he, he's he's gone beyond baseball fit into maybe he took uh, maybe he took lessons from Barry Bonds. Yeah, I guess so. All I know is he's such a giant man that like anytime he's confronting his dad, you're just like, oh, you could kill that poor man. Like what is going and, and, you know, I get it. He's older now or whatever, but it it they do not. He dresses like like he presents visually like his dad with the hat and the beard. But otherwise, there is not a lot that these two men have in common for me to believe that they are related by blood. Oh, I guess they're not. It's a stepdad. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I guess his I guess his biological father was a massive man, which might also explain why he punished him so much. You know, I was really, really hoping that Dean Kane was there to be the biological father. And yeah. I think that's an angle that they should have explored. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that would have made any more sense, but. I was there for it and disappointed that it was, oh, he just, he murdered my kids. Yeah. So as I've already referred to, Dean Cain's character in this movie, he shows up about three quarters of the way through. We find out that he's the one basically who's been uh, terrorizing Shawn Michaels' character uh, because he, his life fell apart after the death of his two daughters. uh, And he's just looking for revenge. And there isn't really much else to his character, uh, so I don't really necessarily want to talk about his performance. Uh, instead, I just wanted to take a moment to mention that Dean Cain is a piece of garbage, and I don't ever <laughs> want to see him <laughs> anything I, again. I, I will say, I will say, his line of dialogue actually let because all we hear before that is that the dad ran down the two these two girls, yeah. Which to me, I'm picturing like they're in the road playing, and he hits yeah, them with yeah, his yeah. car. But then Dean Cain's like, when he ran my wife off the road and my daughters died, and I'm like. Still tragic, but way less deliberate. You know what I mean? Like, I'm picturing I'm so drunk, I'm just running over children, which is like, oh, God, you know? But then it's like, oh, he's so drunk, he had a car accident? Like, also bad, but, (laughs) you know? Like, I would have just left that out of his dialogue and left us continuing to think that he just ran over some girls playing hopscotch or something to, like, really get, like, the idea in that this man's a monster. Well, the character was written in such a way that he would have just done that for fun, basically, in the first part <laughs> right, of the movie. Yeah. Like, he, was just, he just got off on being a violent piece of shit. Well, actually, that actually uh, brings me to my next point, which is that this is a very difficult movie to be about the redemption of someone finding religion in prison and then going to AA afterwards and giving himself over to God or whatever. Because the the first, say, 20 minutes of this movie or half hour where we see him beforehand – He's not just a bad guy because he drinks. He is just like a monster all the time. We never see him be anything but a monster. He's slapping his kids. He's beating the shit out of them. He's being awful and mean all the time. Andrew, what did you think of this redemption that he goes through? We've already mentioned that the post-redemption is kind of uh, underwritten. But like, <laughs> is, is, it, <laughs> is it believable in the way that, that he kind of – the character changes that you see in the movie? No, I, I, I mean, the dialogue changed. He kept saying he didn't, he wasn't like that anymore. But you don't, <laughs> you don't really see the act, in his actions. I mean, he doesn't, he isn't abusive to anybody, but he's also, you know, under that blanket, supposedly a, a frail old man. But yeah, it was a bit of a subtle redemption for me, I found. <laughs> uh, Liam, you're a person who enjoys reading the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> Yes or no? <laughs> uh, whatever, I guess. I don't know how accurate I would say that is, but go ahead. You've studied the Bible in the past, Liam. Sure. You went to seminary, is that correct? 
That is correct. Mm-hmm. So you know a little bit about the idea of redemption through religion. Would that be correct? Sure, whatever. Okay. I'm not mocking you in any way, Liam. It seems like you're you're on your heels a little bit with you, this you're trying to lead. I would just want you to get to the question. You're just, you're just here with some godless Canucks. Is the yes, problem. that's right. I mean, I may be a faithless man, but it's not like I don't respect the power of religion, Liam. Mm. And what I'm trying to ask you here is someone goes through this this change. And in fact, I mean, I already mentioned Shawn Michaels went through it in real life. He became a born-again Christian. One of the things I have uh, an issue with sometimes is the idea that when people become born again, that it wipes their slate clean. And that it is kind of like a get-out-of-jail-free card. I know that that's not always the case, and probably in most cases it's not the case. But I do know that you know when people go through terrible things, a lot of times they turn to religion, and that is meant to absolve them in some way. Do you think that what happens in this movie is realistic to the experience of people in real life? Well, but that's the problem with the movie, right, is that... I I would just fundamentally disagree. This isn't about Shawn Michaels. That's the no. problem. That's why the movie is bad. Because I think it's meant to be about that kind of experience, that being uh, born again, which is, by the way, a term that was uh, used the way that we use it only for the past 150 years. And oddly enough, Christianity is 2,000 years old. So um, a lot of times, both on the believer side and on the atheist side, what you're discussing is bullshit. Neither one of you know what you're talking about because American Christianity has been off the rails for a long time. Now, I'm not convinced the original rails are that reliable either, but it (laughs) it does get very frustrating because we're all discussing something that is, you know, slightly older than television. So it's not really like impactful on the long term of human history. Uh, But that being said, uh, the theory of this thing that these weirdos believe in being born again is not actually supposed to be that like, okay, now nothing matters. I think people take it that way because it's really fucking hard. And in fact, uh, I would suggest that while um, uh, Christians claim, you know, that their their claims about Jesus's uh, immortality and and divinity that these are the tough claims in Christianity. They aren't. The actual tough claim of Christianity is the concept of forgiveness, something that both Christians and non-Christians claim they believe in, but almost no one actually practices because actual forgiveness is an impossibility. It's actually hard to let go of the deepest pains that exist. I would I would go so far as to like bring up someone like uh like uh Derrida or someone like that who who argued that a lot of our concepts like uh forgiveness, justice, hospitality, they're impossibilities because the most extreme version of them we we can't really do. And so in a movie like this, this is there's no redemption. There's not even an effort at redemption. I mean, in reality, there's nothing really that is going to completely heal this dude other than time and therapy. And, uh, you know, even him throwing his baseball equipment in a river doesn't change anything. And it certainly doesn't let him off the hook for the two men he killed. I don't <laughs> care that they had guns. He could have easily disarmed them with his baseball bat and just knock them out. But it's really clear in how the movie is filmed that in anger, he smashes their heads to bits. Liam, Liam, I want to interrupt you just for one second. Instead yeah. of therapy, how about we just hold these feelings inside of us 
and never express them until yeah. they are coming out in violent and aggressive ways. Where we where we murder the only non-white characters in a film. Sure. Uh, mm. No, I mean, this this is this is the issue with this particular movie for me is that while I generally find faith-based entertainment to be bad because the ideology of it takes away the art, this thing goes in the other direction, which is like, well, I don't want to beat people over the head with the message, so I'm going to try to ob- obscure it a little bit. And it obscures it so much that it loses all sense. The movie is, in a way, not really about anything at all. It's just a guy decides not to murder his dad or his stepdad. That's it. That's like the whole uh, movement of the film. Uh, and and partly that's because of how poorly this could have been a movie about Shawn Michaels, about his character, rather. Um, it could have been a movie about Shawn Michaels too, but uh, it could have been a movie about that father character, but they don't spend enough time writing that character. And so really we're supposed to be connecting with, you know, angry baseball giant and angry baseball giant just really isn't that compelling for me. And so, um, this movie never helps us get at the question of is forgiveness real, which is really the, the, the question of faith, you know, where you go when you die. Well, who fucking knows you're dead. I don't get to test it. I'm not going to know. No one knows either way. You're not going to find out till you jump, jump that last uh, broomstick and end up in the in the beyond or or not. That that's the only thing. The real question is: Can you actually forgive people when they really do you harm? And so far, I don't know that we know that question. We don't know the answer to that question. That's well, the real faith thing that this movie could have addressed, and it never does. I, I can uh, address that question about the afterlife, Liam, because I was watching an episode of Unsolved Mysteries hosted <laughs> by Robert Stack, and several people on there had some very interesting ideas about what happens. There's this tunnel, okay? Uh, anyway, we'll talk about this just a little bit later because right now we need to talk about Eric Roberts, the actor. Uh, listeners may have noticed that we have not brought up the name Eric Roberts so far, and there's a very good reason for that. He is only... In this movie, for the uh, the first portion of it, when the characters are still young, uh, the, our Scott Conway and brother Tommy Conway, they're still children, and they're being abused by their stepfather. Eric Roberts plays the principal of the school in the movie, a character that uh, you know is somewhat conscientious. He obviously recognizes that Scott's character is uh, is being abused by his stepfather. Tries to bring Shawn Michaels into the school. <laughs> <laughs> and he's there, and he could not be more of a loathsome piece of shit as he's sitting there <laughs> chewing tobacco in front of this principal. Uh, I'm going to uh, go with our guest today, Andrew. Andrew, what did you think of Eric Roberts' performance in this movie? I mean, I feel he elevated uh, some weak material. Mm. It was, uh, you know, I, it, it, I'm not just saying this because of the podcast we're speaking on. Right? I mean, it was it's a special <laughs> moment when you see Eric Roberts on screen. I agree. And uh, and, uh, <laughs> and yeah, it was like two scenes, and I'm not sure they were necessary, but I'm glad they were in there. Uh, <laughs> he was he was great, and yeah, Shawn Michaels' character, I guess we, we we're needing to make clear. Uh, yeah, it was just being just absolute trash. And Eric Roberts <laughs> is like, I'm starting to think you you might be abusing your son, <laughs> and he's just talking about. You know the the bruising that he's seeing, and then watching his dad spit on the floor and talk yeah. about how his kid's a piece of shit. <laughs> like, yeah, good job, principal. You really put that together. Uh, but, but you know, uh, he looked the part. He seemed uh, he seemed like he was having a good time. I was happy. To, I was happy for him. Were you like me? 
were you like me, Andrew, that you were hoping that when it skipped ahead 15 years, there would be a scene where the grown-up <laughs> monster uh, boy, Scott Conway, he goes and visits his now-bearded <laughs> principal from when he was a kid, and they catch up a little bit, and they have a little uh, reunion? Were you hoping that was going to happen in the I, movie? 100%. I mean, the, the the rules of aging do not apply in the 90 feet from home universe, so it could have worked. <laughs> Liam O'Donnell, Eric Roberts is in this movie for two scenes, as Andrew just mentioned. How do you think he acquits himself? Um, so the way the scenes are written, it is entirely frustrating because it's clear that this, I guess it's the principal. Is it a principal or a guidance counselor? I, don't I mean, know. it's a little hard to say for sure, but he yeah. has his own desk. So whatever. Re- regard- regardless, he he has enough evidence to be slightly more aggressive and accusatory than he is <laughs> and he plays it very soft and it would be really frustrating but eric roberts has a way of um imbuing things with a certain amount of like um soft disdain sure. such that when uh sean michael's character let's be clear is immediately offended it's believable because you're like the way eric roberts say that the way eric roberts takes these lines that are not that um aggressive he imbues them with a certain amount of disdainful passive aggressiveness where you're like oh shit he could have snapped after he said that and it would have been like it would have made sense and that's purely eric roberts like I, I you know he he really is like hey look man like he's embodying the guy that's like look i could sit here and just point my finger at you but that's not what we're going to do. I'm just going to pretend like you're a normal human and we're going to talk about this like you're not a monster. And of course, uh, the Shawn Michaels character uh, lives down to expectations immediately and it works. I, I feel like those scenes work. And I agree with you, Doug. Like, I was like, okay, there's no way this character would still be alive 15 years later. <laughs> but if he was, that would be a fun scene for us to see right now. And it, you know, it doesn't happen. Um, it's. I, I do think Eric Roberts is, is absolutely fine in that scene. He does actually seem pretty engaged with the material, and I think he's a very sympathetic character. But I don't know what his long-term plan was, right? He brings in the, the parents. He insinuates that, that they're abusing their son. And then it's just like, and that's all. <laughs> There's not going to be any follow-up. He's like, I got you. I got you to somewhat quietly admit that you abused your son. Anyway, you guys have a good rest of the evening. <laughs> that sort of thing, right? It's, it um, was like, it's like, nobody, nobody's going to tell me how to raise them boys. Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, okay. All right. Well, glad, glad to see you. Well, this, mean, director, I, this director is completely unfamiliar with, uh, you know, child services. Because at no <laughs> point, you can, you actually, it turns out, that in a lot of places, if you break your son's arm with a baseball bat, hmm. uh, someone might come in and at least want to have a strong conversation with you. But in this film, no, there's no one to step in and say anything. It's just life is life, you know? Uh, it was horseplay, and I don't think that you respect how people can get hurt during horseplay. Probably, well, he, did, uh, like, he did blame mm-hmm. it on horseplay, didn't yeah, he? That's yeah, right. <laughs> maybe literally horseplay in this particular movie. Uh, yeah, so so not a lot of Eric Roberts in the movie, but that doesn't mean that Eric Roberts can't be the fucking man. That does bring us to the very concept behind this show. It's whether in the film 90 Feet from Home from the year 2019, Eric Roberts is the fucking man. I'm going to start with you, Liam. You seem to have strong opinions on the subject. Is Eric Roberts the fucking man in this movie? Yeah, I mean, with with obvious caveats of there there should be more of him and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, for what little screen time he has, I think he really nails it. I think the fact that that we have already said that we wish there was more of him in it, that we return to that character. Hey, there must be something there that we wanted to see more of. Andrew, 
boy, a lot of pressure on you right now. <laughs> do you think in 90 feet from home that Eric Roberts is the fucking man? I, I do. He, he lights up the screen. There's no denying it. <laughs> do you kind of wish that, that Eric Roberts played the Shawn Michaels role instead of Shawn Michaels? It would have been a much better film, I think. But also, if somebody somebody else was playing Eric Roberts' role, maybe that guy would have been a little more, a little, you know, stronger in his questioning of the uh, of the abusive situation that was obviously before him. I mean, I guess the movie might be trying to say something about the fact that that you know this is a situation that is not uncommon in real life, and that probably teachers or principals don't have a lot of power to address it in some way. But uh, I'll tell you, if uh, if I pulled someone who was acting and looking like Shawn Michaels into my office, and he was just like openly disdainful about the fact that I have just vaguely referencing the fact that his son is missing school while his other son isn't because he's been obviously beating his son horrifically. Uh, I don't know. It, it's, it's a movie that seems to be at odds with itself a lot of times in terms of its message, in terms of its structure. Uh, it's confusing, but I would not say compared to what I was expecting out of it that it was necessarily terrible. Just some of the people involved with it are are terrible. But uh, that's just a long-winded way of saying Eric Roberts is, of course, the man, the fucking man, in 90 Feet From Home from the year 2019. You can watch 90 Feet From Home for free right now if you're in the United States of America. It's on the Tubi service at Tubi.tv. Just do a search for 90 Feet From Home. Uh, on that, we'll make a, put a link to that in the show notes as well. And you can find it wherever videos are sold, probably. I don't even know if that's a thing anymore. But that brings us to the end of another episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. Andrew Stoughton, I want to thank you so much. I know that we haven't been able to take advantage of a lot of your baseball knowledge, but we did get uh, to take advantage of your personality knowledge and your personality in general, and that is what I really wanted to uh, to uh, experience firsthand. I'm a huge fan of you on social media, and I'm a huge fan of you as a person generally. Andrew, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, at the moment, you can just find me on Twitter at uh, Andrew Stoughton. There's a lot of your uh, previous work out there that people can experience it, but I know that whatever is coming up in the future for you, Andrew, that we'll be able to find it through your Twitter. Liam O'Donnell, you can also be found on Twitter as well. Is that correct? Unfortunately. At Liam (laughs) Rules. That's R-U-L-Z, Liam. R-U-L-Z. Yep, that's me. (laughs) <laughs> Liam, if people want to find out more about Cinema Smorgasbord or check out other episodes of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, what's the best way for them to do so? Well, if they head on over to Cinepunks.com, they can check out the latest episodes of this podcast as well as a whole family of podcasts, many of which are less annoying than this one. Uh, or if they want to dig into, <laughs> dig into our back catalog, they can head over to Cinemasmorgasbord.com. They can also follow this podcast specifically on Twitter at Cinema Smorg, S-M-O-R-G. And finally, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-U-I. If you want to do us a favor, hey, you can go over to iTunes and rank and uh, review our shows over there. We appreciate that very much. You can find all those. Five stars over. only. Five, five stars star- only. You know what? Do what you feel, but you feel five, five stars. stars only. Uh, the links are over at cinemasmorgasbord.com as well. Tell your friends. But for now, Liam O'Donnell Andrew Stoughton, it's time for us to say goodnight. We'll be back again very soon with another Eric Roberts classic. Good night, everybody. Five stars only. Good night. (laughs) 